26th of March 2022. So we have this period now to meditate. And so may we all set our hearts on that, on practicing, on training these minds to develop samadhi together. So this samadhi is the firm establishment of the mind, keeping it settled, established in one object. For example, the meditation word that we use. And we can also use the breath along with that. So on the in-breath we can recite Bud, on the out-breath, Do. And we should recollect this frequently. So we have probably heard before that all of these meditation objects, all of these methods are means to bring the mind to peace and just that. So we have this sati, or recollection, recollecting the body. So whether we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, whether we're drinking, eating, speaking, or thinking, we have mindfulness there. And when our mindfulness comes together and is firm with the breath and with the word buddha, then it should settle down. But it's possible for there to also still be a lot of scatteredness of mind. So in that case we can breathe in very deeply and then breathe all of the air out. And when the oxygen kind of flows into the lungs and the lungs are full, and then this brings clarity to the brain. So we can do that three times. Take a full in-breath, a full out-breath and then establish our mindfulness on the breath anew. If we're still thinking, and this word of Buddha doesn't stay with the mind, then we can recite the chant itipiso, the recollection of the Buddha, and carry on through that chant until Buddha Bhagavati we can do that three times, seven times, nine times, maybe even 108 times. So for some people, when they chant that three times or nine times, then they feel this joy and contentment in their heart. And so some people ask, is it necessary to chant 108? And it's not necessary to chant all of those, that if the mind is peaceful, after just five rounds, and then we don't need to carry on going. If there's this inner contentment, there's this stillness of mind in samadhi. And so we have our mindfulness there recollecting, recollecting the body, or the feelings, or the mind, or the Dhamma. And through this, then, we will cultivate wisdom. But we shouldn't forget that we need this firmness, the stability of heart as well, in order to gain that wisdom. That we need uh, mindfulness and samadhi. So mindfulness and samadhi, they're kind of collected in the same category or the same group, and they develop into wisdom.
So when we sit in meditation, sometimes our samadhi can come together well. And the mind can feel like it's really close to peace. And there may be a small amount of peace, and it feels like it's, it's really coming close to this like, true stillness. So many practitioners, they feel this way. But we also need to understand that the practice develops um, steadily, but slowly, slowly but surely, bit by bit. And we need to undertake our duties in the practice, which is keeping mindfulness there, taking care of our minds through mindfulness. And when our samadhi becomes well established, maybe kanaka samadhi, this kind of minor form of concentration or collectedness, or upajara samadhi, this neighborhood collectedness, then those states are able to suppress the defilements. And these five hindrances are suppressed and they are uh, far away from the mind temporarily. And just like a rock that suppresses the grass underneath it. And so if we have that stillness, um, well, sorry, we should see rather that even though the defilements are suppressed, they're still there. It's just that the samadhi is keeping them at bay, holding them back. But when we carry on cultivating samadhi and mindfulness, then we use that to contemplate, so that we gain wisdom, so that our understanding becomes clearer than it was before. And what we gain an understanding in are the things that we were deluded in previously. So how the Buddha taught us that these things around us, they're just elements, and they taught us about the uh, material khanda and the mental khandas. So when the Buddha, he attained to awakening under the Bodhi tree, he had such great compassion, this endless compassion. And he was able to get into the jhanas, into these absorptions through anapanasati, through this mindfulness of breath. And the peace gathered together steadily until he entered into fourth jhana. Normally he would go into eighth jhana, but he saw that that was merely holding these defilements down. And then when he came out of that state of samadhi, he could see how his attachments were still intact, they hadn't been destroyed. But it was after he awakened that he contemplated into the dependent origination, these twelve steps. And these qualities which um, arise due to causes and conditions. And the Buddha's mind was extremely subtle. So he contemplated into this with great clarity, seeing how avijja, ignorance, is to bring up sankharas, conditions, and this goes on and on until suffering. And then this suffering, or dukkha, comes back to avijja, to ignorance again, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, without stop, without end. So the Buddha was able to destroy ignorance, avijja, 
And through this, he became the fully self-awakened Buddha. And then he taught us, he taught us to walk this way, to practice this path. So for us, we have faith. We have faith, conviction, belief in the Buddha. That he had such great qualities, that he had such immense barami, these spiritual virtues. And we also have faith that we too are able to get ourselves free from suffering. And so we walk that path. We develop sila, this virtue. Uh, so there's the uh, right livelihood, right action, right speech. And these are all within sila. Keeping the five precepts, eight, ten, two hundred and twenty-seven precepts. This is sila, this is virtue. And then we come to cultivate samadhi. This may be kanaka samadhi, this minor samadhi, or neighborhood samadhi, or access samadhi. Or we may even get into jhana and develop these jhanas. But so when we gain these states of samadhi, then we use them to cultivate wisdom. And to do that, we need to contemplate into physical and mental things, seeing them as anicca, dukkha, anatta, as impermanent and stressful and not self. And we contemplate into this until we're able to destroy the defilements. So the first barrier is Sakaya Ditti, self-view. And this is a view which we need to change. Because everyone who is born, they have this feeling within them. And even before we were born, we had this feeling. And so, because of that uh, wrong view, there's still becoming, there's still birth. We get the feeling that there is a self there, a true self. And so when we're born, then we come into this body and immediately there's attachment that this body is me, it belongs to me. And this is how delusion works. And it's what's caused us to have so many becomings and births. But if we practice so that our minds gather into peace and settle down, and then we contemplate and we can look to see, well, where is this self? And is that self true? Because the Buddha taught about not-self. And through that, then we can see into the truth. We can see the true self. So when our minds are peaceful, then wisdom can arise. And this is the wisdom that comes from bhavana, from mental cultivation. Because all of us have listened to things and studied things and read things before. And that gives one, one kind of wisdom. And then when we think about them, reflect upon them, then that uh, our understanding of those things becomes clearer. But even so, when we receive a sense impression, the mind still goes and clings to it all the same. And why is that? It's because kind of genuine wisdom hasn't arisen. Our mindfulness and samadhi isn't yet good enough. Maybe our sila, our virtue, is already full and complete. 
we're able to take good care of our actions of body and speech. And so we come to uh, sit in meditation, do walking meditation. And when we're doing this, then we have good sila in the present moment. And we know that we're not harming anyone, we're not aggravating anyone. We have hearts of kindness. But there can still be a lack of peace within the mind because of the deeply embedded habits that are there. Because the mind just habitually goes and thinks about things. It brings up memories from the past. It proliferates. So we should teach our minds and train them that this time now is the time to develop uh, the karma, the actions that um, allow the mind to settle into peace, to cultivate this mind, to not allow our minds to go thinking outside. And when we do that, then joy, happiness, and contentment can arise within the heart. Uh, samadhi becomes firmly established. And we gain an understanding into things uh, like we hadn't before. We can see how all the material things in this world, and if we attach to any of them, then that will be a cause for suffering to arise. So if there's attachment and delusion towards this body, it's the cause for suffering. It's, there's a self there, we have a self. And when we have a self, then there'll be attachment, attachment to me and mine. But the Buddha taught that viewing things in that way is not correct. He taught that these bodies are just a bunch of elements that follow the course of nature. And we know that, we've studied it, but we don't yet see it for ourselves. We've seen it through um, our physical eyes, but we haven't yet seen it through our inner eyes. So we need to train ourselves to establish mindfulness well so we can gain clarity into this. We can separate out the elements and see into emptiness, understand how all things are empty. And this emptiness is Buddha, this Buddha nature. We see this Buddha nature is there within all things. So this is how the Buddha taught. And when we reflect in line with that, then we'll see clearly into it. We'll see the Dhamma, and through that we see the Buddha. All our doubts vanish. But in the beginning, this is something we need to train ourselves in first. We need to really forbear with many, many things. You can start off sitting meditation for five minutes or ten minutes and gradually increase this maybe up to 50 minutes. And then eventually in one day we can sit meditation for three hours or four hours. And if we've trained well, then perhaps our teacher can recommend for us to sit for six hours or even eight hours. And if we can do that, then we're going to have to gain something good from it. If we can sit for long periods like that, then we'll need to gain peace, we'll need to gain wisdom. So we should put our efforts into this, we should really try. Because when we work or when we study, we know how we need to use our mindfulness and wisdom. We need to apply our efforts 
and through that we'll gain success. So practicing the Dhamma is no different. But we also need to go against the stream, the flow of the world, in order to see the Dhamma. Because if we just allow our minds to follow all the sense impressions, then perhaps we'll feel a sense of ease and comfort from that, but it's a comfort that is also the cause for suffering to arise, because we still have attachment there. So we tell ourselves that this time now is the time for us to practice, that we have joined this meditation retreat. And it's possible that we'll gain understanding, we'll gain wisdom, we'll be able to destroy delusion to destroy all of the wrong views that are there. And it's really amazing when this happens. And when we can do that, then when we can uh, destroy this first kind of level of wrong view, then that closes off the lower realms. Or perhaps during this retreat we don't see into that, or that's something that we don't attain to this life. But we're developing that these qualities and uh, barami, so that maybe next life or a life after that we'll be able to reach that. So if we carry on practicing like this, then we need to um, be able to destroy the defilements in one lifetime. But if we don't apply ourselves, if we don't set our hearts on this, then our minds will just carry on being deluded. These minds which arise and cease. There's delusion there within them. And so when delusion happens, it happens in the mind. And when insight and knowing happen, that happens, that also occurs within the mind. So we should put in our efforts to meditate each day, to be building up goodness every day, to be abandoning unwholesome deeds, to be building up skillfulness and making the mind pure. And meditating, it's a great form of merit, of goodness. You see how some people can be thieves and they can also be generous as well. But those who are both generous and virtuous it's difficult to find them. And then to find people who are both generous, virtuous, and also interested in developing mindfulness, this is very hard, they're very rare to find. So therefore, for us, we are complete in these qualities. We have them and we have faith as well. That we've gathered together from near and far, uh, from many different countries. And so may all of you have mindfulness, have great effort, uh, so you can use uh, that peace that you gain to contemplate. And it's not sure, maybe in these seven, eight days that we've gathered together, that perhaps there are some who have uh, the accumulations to be able to see into the Dhamma. Or perhaps our faith grows and grows through these eight days and it gains strength. And we gain a great fullness of heart, of joy and happiness. And this joy, it's an important energy 
four arahats. So may you have effort changing your wrong views into right views, seeing how into not-self, how these things, they're not a being, an individual, a me or a you. And through this we're able to cut off the lower realms, these realms of deprivation. So we don't need to worry about what next life, what our next life is going to be like, but rather try to make this life the best that you can make it. Because in this present moment, we are cultivating or doing the causes that will uh, fruit in the future. So may everyone, all of you, set your hearts on practicing in this way. So we can just carry on sitting meditation for maybe five minutes or ten minutes. Then we'll have the question and answers. Okay.